Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the Soccer Phil Show, hosted by Phil Zayas. This is a show that encompasses everything soccer, from grassroots to pro stadiums. Good morning, and welcome to the Soccer Phil Show. This is Phil Zayas from beautiful Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And on today's show, we are discussing the South Florida soccer culture and how it affects college recruiting. Um, today, my guest is my former assistant and right-hand man, Daniel Raddis. Um, a little bit about Danny, if any, for anyone who does not know, uh, Danny was my assistant coach at Johnson Wales University for, I think, six seasons. He'll probably correct me in a second, but I think six seasons, five or six. Um, and uh, he just recently became the head coach of Florida Memorial University. So, um, you know, I'm very proud of Danny and everything he's uh, accomplishing. And, um, you know, it was time for him to move on and, uh, you know, spread his wings and fly. So I'm happy to see that he's got a head coaching position. And, uh, yeah, Danny, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that introduction. Uh, yeah, you hit it right on the head. It was six, six years, six awesome years, to be honest. Um, I learned a lot from you in that process. And as far as jumping off, jumping out of a nest and flying, uh, my wings were fully sprouted by the time I jumped. So I really appreciate that and everything you did to, to teach me, uh, show me the ropes. Uh, so yeah, you, you're definitely a big reason of why I am where I am right now. Um, so yeah. So thank you very much for that. Absolutely, man. It, it, to be honest, it was, uh, it was an honor. And so, I, and I'm really proud of everything you're doing and to see the way you're, you know, trying to help and impact our community in South Florida and to guide the young players in the right direction. So, um, so, you know, maybe at the end, if you want to, you know, it, it's funny cause I always think, ah, I wonder, you know, how he's doing with, you know, Florida Memorial right now, you haven't started your, your first season coming up, but obviously you're probably in the process of uh, finishing up recruiting and preparing for the season. But um, uh, I, I'm more than happy to share any uh, suggestions or, things I would do as I'm coming into that role uh, if I was going into that role. So hopefully uh, in the near future, I'll be jumping back into a head coaching position at some point. But in the meantime, um, let's jump into this topic because I think it's something that you and I are both very passionate about. Um, you know, one of the things that we have in common is that we are uh, Florida grown. Like me, you, you and I are both, you know, born and raised in South Florida, born in Miami. And so I think we take, um, you know, we take the development of the game and the players here, you know, somewhat of a, of somewhat personal, you know, and, um, and I think that's something you and I have in common. And I know we're both really passionate about these kids and the parents getting the right information so that they can, um, so that they can really use the game to, to better their lives and uh, to make the right decisions in regards to their future in the sport um, and in life. So, you know, with that said, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll dive right into this. So, you know, the first thing I wanted to ask you, and this doesn't go into, it kind of goes into the topic, but this is just about now that you're at Florida Memorial and you are, you know, Florida Memorial is an NAI school. And obviously kids, when they're in the recruiting process, have perceptions. And I know when I was at Johnson Wales um, and, 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 you know, even before you got there, I remember, um, you know, recruiting you to the position and you, when you first started recruiting, there were moments where you'd go recruit someone. And the first thing the kid would say to you is, well, I'm looking at, you know, this big, this D one school or this D one school. And I knew, you know, when you would report back to me that that kid probably didn't have a chance at that school. And it's not to knock 
D1 by any means. I'm now working at a D1 school and having a great experience. But um, there's obviously the men's side is a different different animal. And, um, and I think people judge the levels based on um, level of play. And it doesn't necessarily mean that. And I, I know how frustrating it can be when you're trying to recruit a player that your school would be a great fit for, but they're, you know, they're thinking that they should be, you know, at a bigger school or whatever, but, but maybe the bigger school is not the right fit for them from a soccer perspective and an education perspective. And so now that you're a head coach, you're dealing with this head on. And um, obviously I know you dealt with it as an assistant, but um, can you explain the frustrations of, recruiting um for a school that's uh you know i guess you would say a small a small school or an nai school oh yeah yeah for sure um well i went through it as a player as well so uh when i graduated i thankfully i played for a top club i played for a top high school and um i got looks at looked at from a lot of universities especially up north like from the north carolina area new york area south carolina georgia area uh different divisions and i ended up actually staying home because i wanted to be in miami i did not want to leave miami and um, I stayed home and I ended up going to St. Thomas University, which is an NAIA small school. Uh, for me, I, I preferred the small school because I was used to growing. I grew up in a private school environment with small classes, and that's what I preferred. Uh, and I did not want to leave Miami because Miami is Miami. Um, so I decided to stay home and I had a great time at the university. I went to St. Thomas University. I really, really enjoyed it. And, and, and I made a decision because of that, because it was a smaller school because it was in Miami. Um, so I ended up staying home instead of going away and, um, going to a cold or going to a bigger environment where I was not used to it. Um, and I enjoyed it. So now I find myself running into a lot of players, a lot of recruits that are that could be good recruits for my university. And even when I coached at Johnson & Wills, we had a lot of players that we could have recruited that could have been uh, impactful players or even came in off the bench or growing with our system uh, that did not want to come here because they were sold uh, D1s are the way to go. D1 is the best thing you can do. So they throw all their eggs into that basket. And when they threw all their, their eggs into that basket, let's be real, there are only a certain amount of D1 schools. A lot of players are not going to make it. So I found myself seeing players uh, as a college coach and as a club coach as well. I've coached very good players where they ended up not going anywhere. And they decided to just throw all their eggs into one basket. And now uh, they're playing in leagues like the UPSL and the NSL. Like, I'm not, I'm not knocking those leagues, but they could have been playing in the NAIA or NCAA Division II or JUCOs. And they could have been getting the same level of soccer or better uh, while receiving an education. Uh, so they could have got the same thing they're getting at the UPSL or NSL and received an education at the same time. And that's where the frustration comes. Well, Danny, I, and I think the false perception there is this, and let's be real here. I, and, and again, I love those leagues. I think they're fun, but it, but it is amateur soccer. You know, it's amateur soccer. Um, you and I can play right now without a problem. It's for, it's, it's a fun thing. Um, it doesn't net. It's not really a pathway to pro, which I think a lot of these kids has a, have a false perception that they think amateur soccer is a pathway to pro. It is not. Um, it's, I mean, I, I don't know any scouts or many scouts that are, that really want to go watch uh, amateur soccer in regards to scouting for a professional team. So 
Um, so it's not a pathway to pro. That's number one. Number two, and you know this, and I find it so interesting, but you know, we would, we would recruit guys from South America and, um, you know, some of the, you know, I, we've been over there many times and at the NAI level, I mean, we traveled better than a lot of pro teams in, in South America. The, you know, I mean, we, we, the resources that you have in the college game, not whether no, no matter what the division is, but the resources that you have, you're really treated like a pro. And that also makes the environment, you know, a lot of fun. And, you, you, you know, it, it's the feel of it's a lot different and the experience um, is fantastic. So, you know, that's also what you don't really get at, you know, at an amateur level, you know, adult league soccer. You don't get that. Um, hey, we're traveling. You know, we're going to stay in the hotel. We're all going to eat together. Um, you know, just that professionalism. Everyone's dressed the same, like you're representing your university. Um, you don't get that at an amateur soccer level. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. And and kids don't tend to realize this um, in the NAIA, in the JUCO, NCAA Division Two, NCAA Division Three, and any in every level. When you join a, a program, a soccer a soccer team, you are being treated just like you said. You're treated. You're getting treated like a pro. Um, so, for example, my preseason my preseason starts July 26. We're training at 8 a.m. and at 1:30 p.m. All during preseason for about a month. Uh, we have one day off. So all we're doing is soccer, 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 two times a day for about a month. So that's a lot of training. That's very professional. The training sessions are already set up. We know what we're going to do. The environment is going to be really, really good. Everybody gets kits. Everybody's getting shoes. Everybody's getting pants. Everybody's getting travel kits. Um, When we do go on the road, everything is paid for. Everything is part of the program that you're representing. You're going on a bus for free or on an airplane for free. You're, you're getting fe- you're getting fed for free. You're staying in hotels for free. It's all part of the program that you're staying with. And you cannot find that in any amateur league. Um, yeah. Not that kind of level. During season, when we are in school, we're training every day. We train at 11 o'clock in the morning every single day while we're in school. So they're told to be, they're supposed to take a time off so we can train. And once again, we're training every single day except Sunday. And if we're not training, we have a game. Uh, so it's constant soccer. Okay. And kids are going to get better. Players get better. You're going to improve whatever level you are in right now. You're going to prove a lot more by the end of the year. And we saw that Phil. We saw players go from very average players to top of the line players because they were in that environment. They learned it. They felt it. They were, they were training every single day. They were in the weight rooms. They were with athletic trainers. You get athletic trainers every single day. If you're hurt, you come into athletic trainer room. Um, those are things that you do not get uh, in these amateur leagues. Um, so well, if you're well, getting- well, well, again, Danny, and I just want, I, I just want to comment on that. Look, also you got to keep in mind. And I think everyone listening has to keep in mind that, you know, the environment is created by the staff, the, the school, um, you know, in regards to the college. So, like, for, for us, we created an environment that was competitive. We created an environment where the, the players felt like the team was a family. And, and you know, we created that environment to where the, the, the players would bleed for the jersey, you know. But that's, that's not like that at every program. So, you know, again, that's led that's led by good leadership from the coaching staff and obviously athletic, you know, the athletic director up top, but directly from the coaching staff. And then it trickles down to the players. So, um, you know, that's where players have to do their research. And that's where I would say, you know, I mean, I've had some kids that we tried to recruit that did go to a D one school. They didn't play very often. If they played at all, 
where we had kids that decided to come to us that were that actually transferred from a D1 school and enjoyed the experience of being with us because of the environment, the team environment that we created. So when it comes to environment, that's unique to every every situation is unique. Um, You know, in regards to frustrations, you know, of recruiting for a small school, one of the frustrations I always had, and I'm sure you're probably running into it now, is players that kind of big time you you know where or the parents like that you know you talk to them and they're like they'll, they'll look at your school like eh, you know it's a small school we're, we're looking at this school or that school and they'll start na- drop name dropping the big names now i i never want to knock anyone's uh dreams by any means i always tell every kid to shoot for the stars but the reality of it is like you said there's very limited spots and most of these kids and parents do not do the research in regards to uh the style of play in regards to um their roster um or even watching the team play so i encourage everyone to do that and i think the the bottom line for me you know the message i'm trying to get out here is i don't care how good of a player you think you are um, do not big time the small schools. I, it's a mistake. And when you make your list of 30 schools, you should probably have 10 NAIs, 10 D2s, some D3s, D1s. You should have a little bit of everything uh, because the reality is that it's not, there's not a huge soccer level difference. Um, you know, so to me, that was the frustration. The other frustration I had is when I was recruiting a kid that was really an average student but then was talking about going to a school that had 60,000 students in it. And I'm like, dude, high school was already like not easy for you. And you had 800 students there. Could you imagine yourself in an environment with 60,000 students, you know? So maybe a smaller environment is better for you academically. And I think that is something that is completely overlooked in this whole recruiting process thing. So to me, those are, those were my frustrations. Do you have anything to add to that, Danny, and then I want to move on to the next piece. No, it's, it's very no, – I had the same – similar frustrations. Uh, same, like I said, when I graduated high school, thankfully I was mentored by the right people to tell me, hey, look, look for a university that fits you academically, and I did. Um, I wanted to play pro like everybody else wanted to play pro. By the age of 2021, 20, I started realizing, hey, look, maybe pro is not my path, and thank God I got a degree because uh, without the degree, I would not be sitting at the desk that I'm sitting at right now. Um, so – I decided to go to a smaller school so I can get that degree because I knew at a bigger school, I probably would not have made it. So yeah, those are definitely some frustrations that I see kids going through right now. And uh, yeah, you hit it right on the head. Okay, Danny, here's the next piece. And this one's sensitive, but you know, um, this, you know, and I think we're bringing this up and talking about it and it's not coming from a bad place at all. It's coming from a place of uh, just care really and passion. And we want to see the kids here have success. So with that said, um, it's again, it's a sensitive topic, but but it is it is true. And we know this because we're in these circles. Um, And the question is is that and and I'm asking you, I I have my own conclusions and I know based on conversations I have. But just to give you an example, recently, two college coaches I spoke with both. One was a D1 and one was a D2. Um, One guy said to me that he does not recruit. South of Palm beach doesn't care how good the player is, but he will not recruit a player South of Palm beach. That was a quote from one college coach. Um, Another college coach recently asked me as I was recommending a player to him, he's like, Philly's like, there's a lot of good players down here, but he's like, there's also, I've learned. And this guy is kind of 
new to recruiting down here. And he said, but there's also a lot of posers down here. He's like, and I knew exactly where he was going with this. He's like, do you just, you have any guys that are not only good players, but are also good kids and are not posers. And I just, you know, I asked him to elaborate a little bit and he did. And it's about what I'm about to ask you right now. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, why are some college coaches not interested in recruiting our South Florida kids? Um, that That's like, if you could, can you describe the negative stereotype of our players that is circulating amongst college, college coaching circles? Okay, so yes, this is a sensitive subject for me because, as you said earlier in the podcast when you were introducing me, I, I am born and raised in Miami. Um, I really hold these kids. Like, I really have I'm passionate towards these players uh, that are graduating high school to get into college if they want to play college soccer. Um, and so, yes, this is a touchy subject for me personally because, once again, I'm from here and I, and I want the best for these kids that are down here. Well, let's, um, let's keep in mind, Danny, someone could get offended by the topic and get upset. And I mean, I, you know, so, you know, be, be look at the end of the day, I think it's important to, for people to know that we are not, a, we are, are sharing this info because we want to empower the kids of South Florida. So that way they represent themselves well, and we can change that perspective of these coaches. We want coaches to say, Hey, I got this kid from Miami and he's awesome character. He's an awesome kid. And, you know, so myself, Danny, I think we are part of the positive change and we want to share this info to make everyone better. Agreed, Danny? Yes, 100%. Okay. Right. 100%. That's, that's the disclaimer. Okay. Now, but you can't get better if you don't get honest feedback. And, you know, that's what we, we, we give is we give honest feedback. So, okay. So if you could describe the, the negative stereotype. Okay, so it, it, it all become it all comes from a, from a base, right? Every everything comes you're born and raised and and what you've learned. And uh, let's be real, South Florida, Miami especially, is is a very pretentious city. Um, if you go to South Beach, if you go to all these places, is is about people acting to be people that they are not. Um, adults, uh, young adults, are are people going now and, and pretending to be people that they are not, or or doing things above what they should be doing. Um, and that and that gravitates towards our kids. So uh, if I'm a parent um, and I act like that way, my my son or my daughter is going to act the same way as they grow up. Um, so I think it all starts from there. So it all starts from the foundation, from the parents. How do the parents act? Um, are they the parents that um, are telling these kids, you're going to go pro, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And if you're not, I'm not going to support you. And if you're not, like, it all comes from the parents first off. Now, that being said, when it comes to the kids themselves, what tends to happen is this. Um, the reason we don't want, uh, not that we don't want, but the reason that we, the South Florida kids are frowned upon is because um they want more than they can get uh they sent they, they tend to be babied they tend to be given things so when they get to the actual college life and when they get to actual college soccer they are considered immature so for example so when we were in johnson and wills university um, we had a lot of internationals. Um, we also had a lot of domestic kids. And I know I, I know these numbers because I was sort of in charge. You, you put me in charge of finding out the GPAs and stuff like that, and I did. 
And when I did the average for the international students, our average GPA at Johnson Wales for the international students, students that came from Argentina, from Brazil, from countries that don't even speak English, um, their overall GPA was a uh, 3.7. Okay. Um, our team's overall GPA was a 3.3. So that means our domestic kids overall GPA was a 2.5 or around that area. Um, that right there is one of the main reasons um, we don't look for players or, or players in Florida are frowned upon. Why? Because when they come to my university, I need to baby them. I need to tell them, go to class, go to class. Did you do well in your test? I need to hold their hands more than I would an international student or than I would a student that's from out of South Florida because these players are baby more. Their parents hold their hands more. They don't give them responsibilities. And I'm the parent. I'm one of the parents. I'm one of the players that grew up in this environment. But when I got to college, for my, even for myself, it was difficult when I got to the college the first year because I was so used to being babied and holding my hand. And, and if I didn't go to class, they called my mom. And my mom told me, go to class. Like, I was not responsible enough to do that on my own, even when I went to a small school in my first year. Then I learned it very, very quickly. But now as a coach, I see that. And players that come to my university, I have to hold their hands, especially the domestic ones from South Florida. That's one thing. The next thing is for a small school. Okay, I know you said you spoke to a D1 coach and a D2 coach. And, and the D2 coach is probably a small school. And I'm a small school as well. But the players from South Florida that tend to come to me that are good players are settling to come to me, quote-unquote settling. Okay, I'm going to go to Florida Memorial University because I can't go anywhere else. And quite honestly, I don't want that player. I don't want that player that thinks they're settling to come to me when I can go to Argentina or Germany or Italy or France or Colombia or Brazil, et cetera, et cetera, and I could bring a player that is dying to be living and playing in Miami at a small school. Yeah. Um, or, or, or Jamaica. You have a Jamaica. You have a few Jamaican players on your team too, right? Oh my God! I have a Jamaican player on my team that he 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 bleeds soccer. Phil. He does yeah. anything, and he's a really good player too. He has a lot to learn, but he's a good player, and his character is coach. What do you need me to do? I will do it. And and yes, from the Caribbean. I'm talking about all over the world. People are dying. Like people do what they can, and everything that they're doing is I want to play college soccer in the United States, and I want to play college soccer in Miami. Yet we have Miami kids saying, "All right, if I have to go there, I will go there." You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because and and look, part of it is well, there's I mean we've there's a few different topics in there, but I, what I what 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 I if you could describe this, Danny, okay, does, what is the stare? Like, why does a co why does a college coach what what is the negative stereotype? Like, like, what is the negative stereotype of the kid? Is it that they're immature? You're saying you're saying yes. they're babied too much. Um, um, you know, to me, there's to me there. Uh, you know, the the stereotype is that they're. They're wishy-washy. They're not all in. They're not fully committed. Um, you know, they say they want they say they want uh, to play college soccer, but they don't really demonstrate it with their actions. Um, and, and I have an idea of. I think I know why that we have this stereotype, um, but um, but they're just unreliable. 
is what I've been told. Um, and, um, you know, don't follow. Okay. So, uh, don't follow through on commitments. That's a big one that I've heard that some of our kids do not follow through on commitments. So, um, you know, for a college program, you know, or basically don't follow through on commitments. Um, you know, maybe at times make poor decisions off the field that obviously could put a university in the news that happens, you know? So, so these are the things I'm hearing from college coaches and academically don't take it as serious. So that that's, that's pretty much to me, everything in a nutshell. Yeah. Can I leave uh, anything? Uh, no, I agree with you. The commitment part is huge as well. Yeah. And, well, well, and then the other part is they have a false perception of the opportunity. So like, for example, I have kids coming to me talking about, Hey coach, I, I want to be a pro. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're struggling to get to training twice a week and you want to be a pro. I'm like, you know, and then so that'll take me into the next part of this. okay? but at the end of the day, we have to recognize here in South Florida that we have a you know, we have a um, there's a negative stereotype that we have to combat. And um, if we don't uh, if we don't address it and don't talk about it, then, you know, it's never going to improve or change. And, And trust me, you and me right now talking about this publicly are I hope we don't get any heat for it because hopefully people will understand that it's coming from a good place and we care about the kids in this in this in in our you know in 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 our environment like we care about the kids in our area and we want them to be successful so when a kid fails because his mentality wasn't right not because he he doesn't fail because of a lack of talent but because his mentality wasn't right or he lacked some guidance you know that's upsetting to me and I want to see our kids be successful. I know you do too. And that's why we're, we're having this conversation. We're not having this conversation to, to knock our kids down. So hopefully people understand that when they listen to it and they listen to it with an open mind saying, okay, like these guys really care and, and want to help. So, um, okay. So we've kind of addressed what the negative stereotypes are, right? Yeah. Uh, And and really quickly, if I could just one, I don't know if you're going to go into this, but one way I think that we can fix that, uh, one way that I think us as a community and, and the soccer coaches and the clubs and the high schools in this area, uh, the one way we can fix that is by by um by telling these kids, uh, explaining to them, taking them to college games. Let let them see Florida Memorial University versus yeah. St. Thomas University. Let them see Nova versus Lynn. Let them see these schools play so that they can see the level from a young age. Like at the age of 12, at the age of 13, at the age of 14, start taking these kids to college games. So when they see the level and the professionalism in these games, they, they, they start opening themselves up to different things. Don't don't just, as a, as a club coach or as a club director, don't just just say hey d1 or this or don't just want to send your players to d1 and say hey look we can send you to d1 just be open-minded uh show the players the different games yeah well danny yeah i I will definitely get to that so i think you know the first the, the the first part of this is that or the next part is you know what is it about our soccer culture or what's contributing to the negative behavior what is it about our florida that is contributing to the negative behavior Okay. And I think you kind of touched on it, but it, you know, when you're, you, 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 a person can't teach someone something 
unless they're educated on the topic themselves. So look, uh, you know, we have a lot of clubs here in South Florida. There's like a club on every corner. There's, there's multiple clubs sharing the same park. That's how many clubs we have in South Florida. It's crazy. It's great. It's beautiful. Cause I love, you know, I'm so fanatical about the game. I love seeing the growth. I love it. So, but now we have an obligation and, and, and I think this needs to be taken into consideration. The soccer parent, you know, soccer is a huge business in this country and the soccer parent is a very uninformed consumer. You know, I speak to parents all the time that are, you know, they, they played baseball or they played football or they played basketball growing up. And now their kid has gravitated towards soccer and they really don't know where to lead them or take them or, or so they will listen to anyone who speaks. And because soccer is such a business, is such a big business, there are some people speaking and got and leading people on the topic, on these topics of college recruiting, um, showcasing. Um, and they're they're giving advice to parents and players when they are themselves not educated on the topic. So with that being said, I encourage all the coaches and and directors of coaching and all that to seek guidance, um, seek guidance from people at those levels. I can tell you myself, I offer this for free. I will happily come to your club and educate your coaching staff and your parents for free. So all you got to do is call me, email me, text me, whatever. We set up a time and date. I will come and I will share info with you for free. That'll help you to better lead and serve your players. So I just want, and, and, and for anyone who's listening to this, I don't care if you're in California. I don't care if you're in, you know, Seattle, uh, New York, New Jersey, whatever. I, we got zoom. We got all that stuff. I am more than happy to offer, uh, for free for no no charge uh i will give you my time because i think it makes the game better and it gives kids more of an opportunity so i'm willing to do that myself and i obviously danny that's why uh you know you're on this call but i think it first starts with the leaders of the clubs have to be educated on the topic themselves uh they have to seek guidance in that you know in, in that department and you know, there's some, there are some that will, you know, look, parents are easily, um, you know, that again, they, they listen to whoever is speaking to them. So if a club is saying, Hey, we put five kids in the past three years into D D one programs, and that's the selling point, you know, they don't know any better. And they think, Oh, well, you see what they did. And look, um, <laughs> to me, that's, that's smoke and mirrors. You know, that's all smoke and mirrors. I think, you know, if, if, if you're looking for your kid to play at the next level, you need to be in an environment where um, they can help you and provide services that help you to get to the next level and really the right mentorship. You know, that's what the kids need. So, um, so, but anyways, that to me, that's uh, you know, that's, that's where they start. That's what would be a good start in, 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 in helping, you know, and, in, in being a solution, a solution to the problem. Um, so, Contributing factors are the fact that the, the parents are uninformed. Contributing factors are that we have a lot of clubs in one area. So what happens is um, if a kid is not happy at one club, he just picks up and moves to the next club. And that can become a cycle. I mean, Danny, I'm sure you've seen that a million times. And as you know, when you get to the college level, picking up and going is not that easy. Um 
you know, if you transfer, you lose credits. Like, it's really not that easy to do that stuff. So it becomes kind of a culture shock when you get to college and you don't have that that power anymore as as a player, you know, or as a as a parent. And the parent isn't really as involved. So I think that's you know, the fact that we have so many clubs um, kind of contributes to that to that culture. Um, what else, Danny? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on both aspects. First off, let me offer my services as well. Um, anyone that needs my services, anyone that needs me to come in and, and speak to your clubs, speak to your coaches, and, and inform the parents as well of what college soccer is, of what all the options in college soccer, and how beautiful college soccer is, uh, I'm definitely there for free. Uh, I won't charge anything. I, I just, just like you, I just want to get these kids um, informed, and I want to get these kids at the next level. I, I, wrote an, I read an article the other day that, uh, only seven percent of high school graduates could play the next at the next level. What's the next level? That means college soccer or pro. So seven percent of players that graduate high high school soccer are playing at the next level. Any division in college soccer or pro. And 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 my goal is to to bring that number up because especially in South Florida, there are so many players that that are not going to college, that are not playing college soccer, um, that are that are doing everything can in their when they're 18 19 20 21 22 years old to play in these amateur leagues and do these things and they end up not making it pro when they could have been doing these things like i told you earlier and 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 and, and getting a degree while trying to make it pro um so well danny what's you know the percentage of kids of kids that make it pro uh, i would love to know that now what is it well it's less than one percent oh that's for sure so you know and that's a whole nother topic that I'll, 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 I'm going to discuss in another podcast, but you know, less than 1% of kids play pro. So that's why a lot of times when I hear people knock our system here in the States, I, I think it's funny because in, in many other countries, the whole system is set up for just less than 1% of the, of the players to make their dreams become a reality and to help get their family out of poverty. Like they're playing for a whole nother purpose in other countries where here it's set up to where you if you're in the right environment you can have at least a chance of playing at the college level 100 percent. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what division you're in what, what matters is the the, the level what, what, like we said what matters is your program uh the what you're coming into the coach that you have the way everything is set up if your coach knows people at the next level and and then at the end of the day is if you really are dedicated and, and you really want to put yourself in that position to go to the next level while you're going to that university uh so uh, that's it, it's it's a it's a little stepping stone in between club and uh, and in between club soccer and pro it's something else is going to help you grow like you yeah. said in other countries at the age of 18 that's it they're done if at the age of 18 they're not they're not signed by a pro team or in the pro team environment. Uh, they're done. They got to start bagging groceries. They got to start uh, doing different things that that don't that don't lead towards. That's why we find ourselves with so many good players here in the universities. For for example, myself at Florida Memorial, I just recruited two kids that played in the U19 Bundesliga in Germany. Um, that's the top league. They played in the top league in Germany, and at the age of 18. They couldn't make a pro. They didn't do those things. So now they're testing what they can do through the United States. So they're coming here to study, to get their degree. And at the same time, maybe in three or four years, they can be seen, they can get better, and they can make a pro. The United States offers that. No other country in the world offers that. 
And that's why so many different divisions in the NAIA, NCAA Division Two, and NCAA Division One. that's why we have so many great players that are internationals. Because once again, at the age of 18, they are done. They have no more choice. Well, the look, only look, choice look, they have is here. Well, well look, here, here's some facts. And the fact of the matter is college soccer is a global game. It's a global game. Uh, that's a fact. The other fact is coaches are judged based on their – on their results many a times, even though their, you know, their scholarship um, resources may not be the same as the teams they're competing against. But at the end of the day, you still have to find a way to compete. So who are you going to go for? You're going to go for a kid that is, is local that really doesn't appreciate the opportunity. And he thinks he's going to a huge school that he probably has very little chance of playing at. Or do you take a kid that was almost a pro in his country has realized, Hey, I'm not going to be a pro, but I'm hungry to be in the United States to play college soccer. And that kid's coming over here hungry from a culture where um, soccer is everything. So he's going to come here. He's happy to be here. He's excited on your on your tour, you know, when he comes to the school where maybe a domestic kid is not as excited. So, you know, people have to keep this into can take this into consideration and understand that when you are playing college soccer, any level, D2, NAI, D3, Juco, whatever, you are competing against the world. It's not ODP. It's not high school. Like you are competing against the entire world. And every day your college coaches, college coach is getting 20 to a hundred emails from people from around the world dying for your opportunity. So that that's the reality and it doesn't matter the level. Right. So, um, so anyways, um, and, and Danny, just to comment on this too, you mentioned about kids playing pro in other countries and how at 18, if you're in South America and you're 18, you've either signed pro or they're moving or you're, you got to figure out something else in life because your expiration date is it's, it's through like, like your shelf life is gone. So if you don't sign pro by 18, nine by 18, that's it. So, but it's becoming like that over here. Like we're, we're actually signing players at a young age now and that's becoming a, a trend. So that being said, you know, I always tell people when they advise me, I'm like, listen, because everyone talks about pro, um, you know, and I've got kids that are playing high school soccer. that are talking about pro. And the reality of it is it's it's not it's not <laughs> it's more far fetched. It's it's not easy. Um, and a, the better route or wiser route would be look at college, go that route. Um, and then if you're if you would develop in there and you can still go from college to pro, it's not unrealistic, but. Um, but you know, look, people don't take into consideration that they could get injured too. You get injured. I mean, I tore both of my ACLs. I fought like a lot of these kids and I thought, I, and I wanted to be a pro. And then I tore my ACL. Then I tore my other one. And then reality set in and I realized, Hey, you know what? <laughs> I better take this college thing a little bit more serious, you know? And I still played college soccer after tearing two ACLs. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I, you know, the, my last question is how do we combat or change the culture? or stereotype and um you know I, I i don't know you know for you danny but for me it's that when kids are in my environment i hold them to the standard of the college game or above if a kid tells me i want to play in college then i hold them to that standard and so that means i don't give them the shortcuts like for example i had a kid recently he was like hey coach um you know it's my and this is a kid that wants to play college soccer he says he wants to be a pro but he also told me he couldn't come to training because it's his grandmother's 90th birthday. And I'm like, listen, grandma's birthday is important. There's no doubt. 
But at the college level, they're not going to care. They're going to say, hey, you know, after training, go spend time with your family. Like, it's fine when training's over. But when you're there on a scholarship or you're in the team environment, like, you're expected to be there. There, there are no excuses. So to me, when I, I try to create my environment that mimics the college or professional game, so I hold them to a high standard. So that way, when they are uh, at that level, they're prepared. And I think, you know, the trend, the trend is and, and that negative um, that negative stereotype is that our kids are not prepared for the college game. Not only and I'm not talking about from a from a technical or tactical standpoint, that's the football aspect of it. I'm more talking about from maturity from a responsibility standpoint, first and foremost. So um, that's one of the ways I think we can combat it is obviously through what we do in our own environments. Um, Number two is sharing information with others and being an open book and, you know, being willing to, um, to give back to the game, which I think is so important. The game has given me so much and you so much that, you know, I think part of our responsibility is to give back to the game. And that means, edu- you know, helping to educate others. Um, Danny, do you have any other um, ways that we can combat and change the negative culture and stereotype? It, it's you're, you're pretty spot on. And, and once again, I will offer my services to go to these clubs because one thing that you said was kids tend to bounce around and they don't if they don't like this club. They're going to go to that club. If they don't like that club, they're going to go to that club. Um clubs themselves need to protect themselves by how by getting informed as well from, from people like us that letting us come in and explain to them uh, the college system and, and, and other routes of kids getting going to the next level. So uh, if you get a small club that has kids growing up in their clubs and from the beginning, you start teaching these kids uh, the responsibilities that you just told me, hold these coaches accountable. Don't let these kids mispractice for grandma's birthday. Let them understand that it's okay. They can say happy birthday to grandma afterwards and they can go see grandma afterwards. Let them know that, that soccer is a priority in those kind of aspects. Let them know that there is no excuses unless there's a death or, or something really big in the family where it really needs to be, a, uh, you really need to be there. There shouldn't be an excuse to miss practice or to miss a game or to miss a tournament or to miss anything. Uh, teach these kids from a young age responsibility. Uh, if clubs can do that, if clubs can start teaching these kids from a young age responsibility, clubs can start teaching these kids, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, take them to college games in the area, show them these things. If every club does that and shows the parents, hey, look, we really do care about your kids. We really do want your kids to get to the next level, whatever it may be, college or pro, no matter wherever your player, your, your son or your daughter belongs, then it will be very difficult for par- parents to want to leave that club to go somewhere else because they're getting everything they need from that one club. See, see Danny, here, 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 here's, here's the thing. And you, and, and you kind of, you kind of made me think of this. See, clubs are afraid to lose their players. So, and because there's so many clubs, they have so many options. So sometimes they implement rules like, Hey, you know, you got to pay a fee to get out, which is fine. I don't have an issue with that. I, I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, but but um, the, the club is scared to lose their players. So what is, or the coach, the coach is scared to lose the player. So what do they do? They compromise. And now they start allowing the player to do things or get away with things that will not be acceptable at a higher level. And what it does is it gives the kid or family what they want at the time. But it doesn't prepare them for life. It doesn't prepare them for the next level. 
So that that to me that it, it's 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 not empowering that kid. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, if you want honest feedback, if you want to improve, you come to me. If you want the easy route, go somewhere else. I'm not going to give you the easy route. You're telling me you want to be a pro. You tell me you want to play in college. I'm going to hold you to that standard. But there is no easy way. I mean, I think to get to the highest level, really, <laughs> like, like there's no secret recipe. It's hard work. Hard work, and obviously you need good leadership and, and mentorship, and you need good teaching, but hard work goes a long way. And you got to be held accountable, and you need honest feedback. And the problem is, is that sometimes some of the clubs probably feel like, hey, I'm worried that I'm going to lose this kid, which they might. If you're honest, some parents don't want the honest feedback, you know, and there's and there's obviously a way to communicate that. So I'm not insisting or I'm not I'm not implying by any means that a, a coach should be rude or disrespectful to a player or to a parent when they're sharing feedback with them. They need to give them honest feedback. We call it critical feedback. It's feedback that's going to make the player better. That's the objective. And it should come from a good place. So, but you can't make someone better if you're not honest with them. So I think that's another issue with our areas. Our, our players, it, it, they, they, it's, they don't take feedback very well. And, and, and that's, you know, this is, this is an issue, you know? So anyways, uh, I think the way, you know, we, we come, we combat it is one of the things I'd like to see removed. I'd like to see the poaching rule removed from, uh, I know Florida youth soccer has this poaching rule and I actually don't think it helps. I think it hurts because what would be healthier is to put a healthy pressure on the clubs to provide a better service. So if I'm going to, if my players can leave me at any given time, you know, the question is, is I, mean, I don't care if they have to pay a fee to get out. They could pay the fee to get out. That's fine. But if they can leave at any given time, then as a club, I am forced to now provide a better service. I have to provide a better, a better product. And that's actually pretty interesting. I didn't think of it. I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, for sure. Uh, but also the, 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 the devil's advocate side of that is um, there's these parents or these players. I hope they do their research whenever they do decide to get moved to another club, because there are clubs out there that <laughs> I just, I just witnessed it a month and a half ago, two months ago. There, there, there are clubs out there that are going to promise kids, Hey, look, we're going to get you to the professional level. We're going to send you to Europe and you're going to be playing for the academies next year and you're going to be doing this. So obviously a parent that doesn't know better or a parent that's not informed or a parent that, that thinks their son is more than what their son is or daughter at the time right now, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to buy that dream. They're going to buy that. Oh my gosh, my player, my son or my daughter is going to be playing in Europe or they're going to be doing this in the next year or two. And now they ended up moving to that club where, a year and a half, two years later, uh, that player doesn't even have a European passport. He doesn't even have the things that he needs to have to to, to go there. And yeah. and and now they're stuck. And now this player is not going to Europe. And now this player is behind the other players that that have a different picture in mind. So so yeah, I understand the poaching part, putting pressure on a club. But now the the dangerous part of that is you have these clubs out there that are promising things that are completely empty promises. That are, that are that that hurts the development of the player, and it also hurts the the future of the player. Yeah, but that anyone that's going to get information is going to do that anyways, 
regardless of the rule or not. I mean, I think you know that, right? So yeah, that's already happening, you know? So, you know, and that's why parents have to do their research. Look, if we're trying to instill honesty and integrity, you know, and a good work ethic, then you need to play for people who have the same attributes. You know, I, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's, look, there's plenty of people that could sell something. That's why I, at the beginning I said, you know, the, the soccer parent is a very, uh, you know, misinformed consumer because the, and they'll listen to anyone who speaks to them. So, but sometimes the people that speak the most to them are not necessarily giving them, you know, the, the right information or are selling, you know, selling them on something. Um, so, so it's just a sale. It's not, it's not reality. You know, I, I love it when they start selling just D one. Oh, well we got this kid going D one and, and we got that kid going D one. And it's like, okay, well you have any kids going to any other schools? Like, I mean, Danny, you remember my, my girls team that my daughter was on that I had for years, that team went D one, D two, D three, NAI, Juco. We had everything on that team, you know? And, and because as a coach, I wanted to do the best service by those kids by putting them in the right environment. I mean, one of my players that's, um, she's at a D three. I think she's finishing. She's going to go into her senior year this year. She had a great experience. She loves it. She loves the team she's playing for. She loves the school. And it was great that she decided to go to that school. And she probably could have went to a D two. She could have even went to like a lower, you know, like a lower end D one school. And I'm thankful she didn't because she wouldn't have had the same experience that she's having at this D three school. So, you know, again, it comes down to, um, it comes down to just seeking wise counsel. And I'm, and that's not only for parents and for players, but also for coaches, for clubs, for administrators, for directors of coaching. And uh, whether it's me or Danny uh, or someone in your area, you know, find someone to come into your club and, and provide some consulting or, you know, provide some, um, you know, some, some knowledge and that have his experience in at the college level or at a higher level that could really help, help your club to, or help you as a coach to give you a, a plan to give your kids a good pathway to the next level. Anyways, Danny, I think that's it for today. Um, man, I appreciate having you on. Uh, again, I wish you the best of luck in the, the college season coming up and, uh, we got to do this again. I think, uh, I'm going to hit on some other topics that you're that will be right up your alley and you'll love. So would love to have you on again. And uh, again, good luck. Good luck uh, this season. Okay. So I've been listening to your podcast and I've been listening to a lot of the people you have had on. I know personally um, and I really respect them and it's been awesome. Like honestly, every one of your podcasts, everything I've listened to all of them. Uh, so I appreciate what you're doing and, and I'm really humbled and I'm really flattered that you have me on to touch on this subject and down the road, if you want me, want to have me on for some other subjects, like you said, um, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, that being said, uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, I just became the head coach at FMU and there's a lot of things that I need to tackle right away on my first few days, my first few weeks, my first couple months here. Uh, my question to you is as one of my mentors is what would you have, what would you do in my shoes? When you first take over Florida Moore university, what would be the first few things that you'd do? Well, obviously recruiting, that's a, you know, that's obviously a no brainer, which I'm sure you're all over. So I'm not even, uh, that's not even, that's, but that's, that's goes without saying, right? So recruiting is one, two is the tone you set with the team right away. You have to set expectations and you have to create a standard. 
because remember the guy, you know, whoever the coaches were there before, because it was former coaches and some of them are great guys or whatever. But I think the situation was different too, because it was a part-time job. Now it's a full-time job. So, you know, that gives you a little bit of an advantage to the coaches that were there before, because, you know, if you were a part-time guy there before, then you had to probably have another job. And it's just, it's not as easy to focus on, on the position to where now you're there full-time. So that gives you the opportunity to really create this and make it your own. But the players that are there, there's a standard that they have in their mind of what the program has been. Uh, They have a perception of how that program has been. And then there's also a perception on the outside of what that program has been and how it's been. So you need to change the perception and you do so by creating a new standard um, and you cannot budge. So you're going to be tested with new, the, the former players, the former players are going to say, well, coach, you know, for example, someone shows up late. How do you deal with that? Like how the tone you set is going to be important. And, and if you compromise, if you compromise and you lower your standard in your first year, getting it back is very difficult and almost next to impossible. So you've got to, you've got to like, you know, stand, stand by your, stand by your, your decisions. And hopefully you have an administration and, and uh, an athletic director who's going to support you and going to support the decisions you make. But essentially you have to change the, the perception and you have to change the culture of the team. And that can take time. As you know, it took us time at Johnson and Wales. So, um, so anyway, so that's it, man. Yeah. So I think to me, that is the most important thing. The rest, the soccer part, you know, that'll, that'll all work itself out. I, I have no concerns with you on that. I have no concerns with you on recruiting, you know, just set the standard you know, and, and, and hold these guys accountable and that's it. And once everyone understands, Hey, this is the way we function. This is our team culture. They understands the do's and don'ts of the environment. Once they understand that and then get them to buy into the team culture and the, and the family atmosphere, eh, then it'll be a place that people want to be a part of. They're going to love the program and they're going to want to play for it. So that's my advice, bro. All right. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you very much for, for getting me on this podcast and, and sharing my, my opinion on, on this very sensitive to- topic that I really, really love. Once again, if you need me in the future for any other topics, I'm on in. Absolutely. Well, dude, you know, and I know that it's like bad medicine, this conversation, you know, it's like, you know, it's that medicine you have to take in order to be better. And you and I both have a passion for one here better. So, um, so hopefully this podcast helps, man. That's it. So, All right, man. Thanks again. And uh, I'll be in touch, dude. Looking forward to seeing you and watching your team play this fall. Later, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, coach. Take care. Bye. It was great having Daniel Radis on uh, for another episode of the Soccer Phil Show. Um, These are just some a recap and things to take away from today's podcast. So one, soccer players should consider all levels of college soccer. Two, we need to do a better job at being responsible and following through on commitments being on time, having a great attitude, great work ethic, high-end character. These are things that college coaches are looking for. Number three, club directors, coaches, parents need to invest in becoming more informed about the next level. Seek advice, watch games, watch college games. Um, Those are some, some ways they could become more informed. Number four, lastly, I'm here to help. I provide free education to clubs, parents, and players, and offer services that can help players get to the next level. I have some ID camps coming up soon that would be of great help to many players in regards to getting seen at the next level.
Well, guys, once again, thank you for listening. Um, today we delivered the truth. You know, it's what's going to make people, uh, players, parents, coaches, and everyone better. And that's that's our objective with this podcast is really to provide information to improve uh, to improve everyone. So again, I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the information was insightful to you. Um, just a few updates. Um, this summer, I'm offering small group sessions that are fire. Uh, if your player really wants to play at the next level and wants to improve, um, you might want to reach out to me in regards to this. My summer college prep program is going on. We've got about 40 players involved. Uh, we're playing friendlies against adult teams. Um, the sessions are great. We're bringing in college coaches all summer long. Um, we just recently had a scout, an MLS scout, run a session with us as well. So the kids are getting exposure. I know one player in particular who is going to get um, an opportunity at MLS club due to being identified at um, at the clinic we just held. So uh, that is awesome. Again, that's what we're trying to do is create opportunities for players during the things I do all year long. And again, if you, um, if you as a parent need some consulting or help in regards to uh, the college process, specifically more for boys right now, um, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you could text me, email me. Um, you can also go to our website at www.miami-ac.org to get all the info. Um, until next time, thank you for listening. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on s- social media. Um, like, share, subscribe. And until next time, take care and God bless.